generationally, because I'm thinking about the next gen when it comes to all this technology, like how has technology, in your opinion, messed you up or made you better than the generation before you? You have to do an introduction too. You have to like, hey, it's Amber. Yeah, your name. And then like do the whole thing because we, we have no idea how we're going to edit this. Should we do ages? I think I want to know. Give us some sort of marker. Or just do whatever the hell you want, I guess. <laughs> hey, this is Rob Simone. Summer Friday is an ethos, a feeling, a chemical fit. It's also what we decided to name our marketing agency. I have noticed a big trend of essentially boycotts of larger corporations by Gen Z. They don't feel like their values align. Last week, we released our Gen Z report and focused on how they are redefining the American dream. It's a really cool piece of content. And to top it all off, we got together some of our own Gen Z team members to talk about it, dissect it, and make a really interesting episode. Whether they step up or not, I think this generation opposed to anyone else is looking for something to put their trust in. After listening, we really hope you'll download the report. You can do that by interacting with any of the at Hey Summer Friday social channels. Thanks so much for listening and have a wonderful Friday. I can kick it off. My name is Amber. I'm a junior client strategist here at Summer Friday, and I'm a proud member of the Gen Z generation. I was born in 1998. I'm Derek, associate uh, integrated producer here at Summer Friday. Uh, I'm 27, so I'm actually zillennial. So I feel like I'm I'm right on the on the verge. So I'm 1996. Hi, I'm Sydney. I am an integrated producer with the video team here at Summer Friday. And I was born in 97, so I am 26 years old. It's a beautiful group here right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank you all for, for joining us. Um, so for everyone that's listening, hopefully you know by the time this podcast comes out, uh, we will have released our first Summer Friday Gen Z report. So what we want to do today is kind of go, go around uh, this, this group of our Gen Z employees and talk about what's resonated with them about the report, you know, riffing on other things that are related and also busting some myths because there's a lot of like ideas out there about like, this is exactly what Gen Z is like. And one of the parts of our report is the notion is to go deeper and to look into the nuance behind that. I think we just saw Kelsey join. Yeah. Talk about being Gen Z. I couldn't get my Google Chrome to work. So that's great. I'm Kelsey. I've been at Summer Friday for about a year, assistant strategist doing market research, things like that. Uh, was born in November of 99, so pretty much 2000. So I thought that was pretty pretty impactful, you know. <laughs> I'll just uh, quickly kick us off with a question here. So one of the things we talk about in the report, and it's like one of the obvious points, but it's very true, is that Generation Z is the first generation who has grown up like completely with technology. What has that been like growing up fully digital? I think I got my first phone when I was in fourth grade, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, And it was like one of those ones, I don't know if Amber and Derek, if you know, like the ones that kind of wasn't like an iPod, but like it played music still. And I had like Miley Cyrus on it. I was very excited. But I remember from like a young age being able to like contact my family at any time if I ever needed to like be picked up from school or something like that. So I think in that way, it was kind of like a nice safety net knowing that I could reach out to people in my life whenever I wanted. Um, but at the same time, I definitely think that, especially like in middle school, really being exposed to start posting on YouTube when I was like in middle school, 
I think being kind of exposed to that type of environment might not have been the best for a young person to do and like see unfiltered YouTube comments and stuff like that. I, I think that could be a little bit dangerous. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, there's something that's so interesting about like the the internet and YouTube being like really like sh like shooting off when I was in like early middle school. And like the, the idea that you and your friends could go onto this like platform that your parents didn't really understand. And it's just like truly like wild west of like video content and stuff. And there was no even real understanding of like, we need to put parental guidelines on this. So just the level of like exposure that I feel like we had in so many different ways was like, we were seeing everything around the world, both like good and bad when you were like 11. Wow. You know, you could just, you would spend full days just online with your friends, just searching and looking up random things that sometimes now you look back on and you're like, this defined my sense of humor is to find my worldview. And so it's like that, you know, beginning of that much wider view of what the world is, but also like it is because at the same time it is filtered because you're really only seeing the internet's view of the world as well when you're looking at it through YouTube. Yeah, I, I think we grew up kind of in the sweet spot where it's like not too much exposure to stuff on the internet. Um, I think like Facebook came out a few years after, like my first phone was a flip phone. It's like not much is going on <laughs> with that besides calling your family or friends. And then I got the next upgrade, which is where you had to swipe up to to view the keyboard. So I mean, people are getting cell phones way earlier now. So I think it's really interesting to see how much that has changed. So I've heard, you know, young people who are sort of upset at the fact that they didn't choose social media. And what I mean by that is they were born into social media. Their parents posted their childhoods on social. And as a result, there was an entire encyclopedia of Amber by the time Amber was old enough to actually have her own account. And that wasn't something you necessarily would have chosen to have. I mean, is that something that you feel like is a real impact to your life? I do remember my little brother, it kind of happening with him. I remember like when he was in kindergarten, like I would even be posting him. And I don't know how he feels about it necessarily, but just kind of thinking about like, the fact that I was like 11 posting my five-year-old little brother is a little <laughs> little weird to think about, just like sharing him with the world. I remember my parents with like physical, um, like Nikon cameras, having those pictures, like the ones that are printed out that kind of switch into the database of like the cloud photos. It was over the course of like a year that it really switched to like mobile phone. For the Gen Z group here, did you did you cross over with like LimeWire and Kazaa and all that, or was that slightly? It was before them, was it? Okay. I I uh, I killed my family's computer with LimeWire, so I was like <laughs> came right. I came like in right on the end of it. I was like downloading music, and then I started downloading like full movies in like eighth grade, and within a year, that computer was just riddled with like viruses. But but that was like the tail end because I feel like then everyone was aware. At least my parents were like do not use, if we catch you using that, you're in a shit ton of trouble. So that that was like the end. <laughs> I got the letter from Paramount saying that I was literally getting- I remember that. I was getting sued for like $3,000 for pirating. Did you feel like entering into the work world that there was a gap or there was just like a huge learning curve difference between you guys and whatever people were interviewing you and managing you? Were you more technologically advanced than them? Was it a misunderstood kind of equation? Because I definitely felt that in my first jobs. I don't know, Mike, if you felt like 
Yeah, I think I think what you're referring to is, you know, the the education gap when it comes to technology. So you come in and there were people doing things that were super outdated and slow faxing. Like I was an editor, for example, when I came into gray advertising. And I remember I sort of skyrocketed in my career pretty quickly because I was dealing with editors who've been doing it for like years. I'm talking 20 years. These are older, you know, older editors who have just been doing it their way. They're leaving slow for the click. Like I'm coming as a gamer and I'm clicking away and I'm moving so quickly. I'm able to talk and multitask, which was a skill that was developed probably, you know, more so in my generation. Um, I don't even know if it's gotten worse now, by the way. Multitasking seemed, seems to have gotten worse <laughs> in in the latest generation, at least my kids. Um, but for us, it was like a skill that I could derive from. So I was able to progress projects along and keep conversations going and move quicker and clients loved it. So just even in that level, um, that was a huge difference that I could notice just based on technology. We talk about this in, re- in the report a lot about how COVID kind of shaped the whole online education and then your soft skills and things like that. And then that directly transfers into entering the workforce. Um, So something that I think I got really good at during that time that I was sent home during college was working remotely and maintaining relationships online and um, like going the extra mile to like connect with people. My first job is here, but um, yeah, I think, I think that was something that I brought in. Yeah, my first job was in an office, but it was during COVID. Um, I worked production assistant on a TV show, like in an office. Everyone would have had to wear masks. Okay. So I didn't really notice as much like the social skills that Kelsey was talking about. What I did notice was, for lack of better words, like the trends that people were talking about that like wanted to propel. I felt like there was a lot of times we'd be like, oh, let's hop on this TikTok trend. And in my brain, I'm like, well, that's three months old. Um, So a lot of that sort of stuff would happen in my first job. That's so interesting. So I think I think we're old. That's great and established. Good job. Or it certainly feels old. I feel like I feel like the technology and the advancements that happen there make us feel even older than we actually are. Um, and I'm sure it's going to continue to progress. What What would you guys call out as like the most interesting learning from what you looked at from the Gen Z report? The main kind of takeaway that I really resonated with was. Um, what Gen Z looks for when they're entering the workforce. So we found that they really value work-life balance like as a core value. And, you know, they're not willing to kind of budge on that. Like they really see that as something that they want to see in their everyday at work. They also want things like pay transparency, which is just seems like a little bit bold to me, but I think that's great. Um, They also look for things, I say they, me included, um, for things like empathy, and um, they want their leaders of the organizations that they're going to be working for, not to just claim that they care about things like sustainability, ESG, but they want their leaders to actually demonstrate that and put it towards something and see how, you know, their company is making good in the world. Something I've been thinking about since the report and just in general is this idea of like institutional trust compared even to like my parents, where I do feel like if you think about these like huge overwhelming issues, you talk about climate change, the financial crisis, COVID, BLM, like huge things that have happened within our life, even 9-11, honestly, for earliest, where you're watching a failure of 
the governments, of the banking systems, of the healthcare to provide for people. And I do think that's when you guys are talking about businesses, it's like, whether they step up or not, it's like, I think this generation opposed to anyone else is looking for something to put their trust in because it's been a series of letdowns, you know? And I think I, I'm, it's a big question. I think like whether corporations will step up, I think like seeing BLM, I was at NBCU at the time, huge corporation watching how they responded with, but was both a good and bad thing. I think they did some things that people were like, Oh, that's good. And other things where it's like, you're paying lip service. And to that point, I think like it, the business as institution by our generation, I think is being scrutinized a lot more because we've actually in a weird way, putting a lot more of our faith in that as like being a thing that can like cause social change or not, you know? And again, even in the way that we judge influencers by the products that they display, it's because we see the connection between those two things, I think in a way that is maybe somewhat new. It's kind of an interesting point. Cause I do think a lot of like a lot of trends I see on TikTok is like the idea of, but with your dollars. And I think that Gen Z is like really, really focused on sustainability and doing things for the greater good for social good. I have noticed a big trend of, essentially boycotts of larger corporations by Gen Z who they don't feel like their values align. And I think that that can kind of force companies to come back to the table and look at the way that they're managing stuff. I think it's going to take a lot more than what we're currently doing. But I think that as Gen Z like continues to enter the workforce, continues continues to become buyers and work in within our economy, that can continue to grow. That's a good segue for um, Gen Z myths. I would love to hear some, everyone says Gen Z is X and why that is not true. And what is the truth? Um, myths. Uh, I think lazy is definitely the biggest one that I've kind of seen. And like that work-life balance, um, I feel like compared to previous generations where it's like people are living to work, it's feel like there's definitely a switch especially with Gen Z where they're like trying to spend their money on some things that they enjoy, which I think also goes into um, separate side hustles that people do. I think a lot of the times, yes, it could be for extra cash, but it's also just getting out there and doing things that you enjoy outside of work. It's like there's more to life than um, logging onto a computer and, you know, doing the nine to five. We want work-life balance too. We're just mad we didn't get it for like 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a jealousy. That's all. <laughs> I would say almost like on top of that is like the like Gen Z is like bad with their money or like they don't know how to spend their money. They don't they're you know, they're not putting enough away for retirement or not thinking about putting down like a down payment. It's a reality of like the cost of living is just higher. We're taking more time to figure out what we want out of life. You know, we're not deciding our exact career and our, all of our exact decisions right as we graduate from college. And I feel like seeing people spending money on experiences and things like that is a way for people to really explore that, which I think is like, ultimately, they are being very thoughtful about their money. They're just making significantly different decisions, I feel like, when it comes to that stuff. So what do you all see about the differences with the other end of the, of the generation? I think some of you alluded to having siblings. What behaviors of the younger end seem weird or alienating or, or different? I have a younger sister, and she's 20. Um, and she is like, she has full friendships with people online that she has never met before, which I think comes from like, she's really active on like, not just on TikTok, but like making TikToks. Her online persona is even more fleshed out than mine was, or people that I know that are friends with me. Like she had a boyfriend for like a year that she never met that was in Colorado. That's crazy. And I feel like that feels weird, but I feel like it's becoming more and more common they're so online that I'm like, sometimes like, are they even friends with the kids that they go to school with? 
or is their whole social life online because they're putting so much of themselves on there? That is the best way someone ever explained to me what the power, the potential power of the metaverse would be. I mean, imagine if you feel like your online world is more valuable than your offline world. And it doesn't have to be like, I own NFTs. It could just be like my relationships, my persona, my identity, my, my the people that I speak with. Like if I lost that data and had to start over versus my house burned down, what would be more disappointing to me as an adolescent right now? And chances are they would choose their digital data. Like that is the case for building a successful, profitable, active metaverse. I mean, guys, my brand is pretty tight. I got to be honest. I'm everywhere. If you search me up, Michael oh. Cruz, just make sure it's not the singer. He takes all of my search. Oh, boy. I think also, um, like comparing, like when I was in middle school, everything now is recorded. It's definitely more focused on capturing a moment. And I think even like going on trips, it's like, oh, I want a picture here. I want to record this. And it's like kind of feeds into that complex relationship Gen Z has with social media of being on it from the beginning, but also having it severely affect like mental health, body image, things of that sort. So very scary. <laughs> the Black Mirror episodes are probably going to be a lot more relatable <laughs> down the line. I'm wondering just if we're all going to retreat virtually. <laughs> It's like, and, and it's been said, right? Oh, when the virtual world is better than your real world, why the hell would you choose the real world, right? Um, but I think the, the saving grace, this is true for anything, is that I feel like there's so much magic and joy in those real moments that even now when I hear about what resonates most for this generation, a generation full in technology, it's usually the very real moments that stand out as the best memories. So hopefully that continues. I think if you're a person, even in your experiences, who finds joy in little things, then you can sort of train yourself to enjoy every day more in real life, because what do you sort of propping up as the thing tomorrow that's going to be the thing that you're sort of looking forward to tonight, right? It could just be like that really good cup of coffee you're going to go get. And I think that changes the whole, like if you're expecting to go on a trip to Bali and during that trip, you're going to do these 17 things that are just like the ridiculous things you're going to do versus being really happy to like put your feet up in Bali like, I think there's just a, a way in which you can like rewire that expectation, like in a very, very positive way, changes everything. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Stop being so lazy. <laughs> <laughs> lazy Gen Zers. Bad joke. Thank you guys. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks everybody. Thanks, appreciate Thank it. you guys. Thank appreciate you. it. Thanks all. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in. There's so much more to come. Take a moment to subscribe if you haven't already and send us a message at say at heysummerfriday.com. We'd love to hear from you.